morning. Good to see you. You're responding back. That's awesome. Good morning. Good to see you. We're glad you're here today. We're excited about the service. We're excited about our series this morning. But I just wanted to celebrate a couple of things with you today. Uh, first off, you may see that in the second service, we're going to get to dedicate a baby and baptize uh, someone. We're excited about that. Let's give God a hand for what he's doing. That's awesome. Um, we're also, for those who may recall, Columbus is celebrating their first Sunday on Maple Street today. So let's give God a hand for that. That's awesome. And we wanted to also say a big thank you to those that helped with the rummage sale as well as many of you came and participated in it. We made $5,177 off the rummage sale. So we thank you for that. Each student that's going will get uh, over $400 apiece towards their first payment in September. So that's awesome, and we're so thankful for that, and we thank you. And then, as you know, our kids are with us, and we're glad you guys are with us, and we're also glad we're starting some renovations back there. Our floor is already ripped up, and, and so lots of good things going on. And hey, we're continuing in our series called Kingdom Values. If you're new this morning and we haven't met, my name's Kyle. We've been in a series called Kingdom Values, examining the Beatitudes. And um, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to go with me there. Also, if you downloaded the Church Center app, or if not, I encourage you to do that. You can go to the message notes section and all of our slides and everything are on there as well. But there's some really important things that Jesus said from the Sermon on the Mount, and we're examining eight of those things that uh, we know as Beatitudes, and they're extremely important for us today. Um, here's how that kind of happened. Jesus was seeing the crowds, and he goes up and he sits down on a mountainside, and his disciples, they come over to him, and he begins to teach them. Um, and so he starts with this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We talked about that last week. And then let's read what we're going to be talking about this week. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Then he goes on and says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, blessed are you when people do what to you? When they insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of who? Me, meaning Jesus. Then he says, rejoice and be glad for all of that, because great is your reward in where? In heaven, for in the same way they persecute the prophets, let's finish it, who were before you. So Jesus is saying some really important things uh, here. And today we're looking at one of the statements that he had, um, pure in heart. We're in part six, pure in heart. Let's say that together. Pure in heart. And he says, blessed, and we know that blessed, as we've been studying it, means happy or content or satisfied. Blessed are those who are pure in heart for they will see God. There's a couple of words in that that really stood out to me, obviously. 
and that's the word pure and the word heart. And we talked about throughout this series that um, things in the New Testament were translated from the Greek. And so when you study these words pure in heart, to kind of get an understanding of what Jesus is talking about, when he says blessed are those who have a pure heart, well, what does he mean by pure? Well, the word translates pure, unstained, um, either literally or ceremonially or spiritually. Let's read those last three words. Guiltless, innocent, and upright. And when you look at the word heart, just to give us a background, a context this morning as we're getting into this today, it's the effective center of our being. In other words, in other words what Jesus was literally meaning when he was unpacking this is, is that the effective center of our being, our heart, is to be guiltless and pure and unstained. So put that all back together, and here's what we get. Happy and content are those whose hearts are, let's read it, clean and guiltless from sin, for they will see God. Jesus makes this statement. It's, it's an important statement, but there's some tension with that statement because most of us don't think of ourselves in this way, and so we're going to talk about that today. Um, the smart books called Commentaries, here's what they had to say. He said, this is the most comprehensive of all the Beatitudes. Here's the most comprehensive character of the blessed. They are the pure in, the, pure in heart. Here's what he says. He says, true Christianity lies in the heart, in the purity of the heart. Let's finish it. The washing of that from evil. I found this online article, um, and I really like it when it's talking about... Um, the scripture we read, he says, being pure in heart involves having a singleness of heart towards God. A pure heart has no hypocrisy, no hidden motives. The pure heart is marked by what? By transparency and an uncompromising desire to please who? To please God in what? In all things. It is more than an external, this is good. It is more than an external purity of behavior. Let's finish it. It is an internal purity of the soul. So we have a background this morning of what Jesus is talking about when he said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Now, why does that matter today? Why do we care about this statement that the scripture talks about? Well, the reality is as followers of God, we are to pursue him and to be like him and to follow after his nature. And God's nature is pure and holy. Amen? His nature is pure and holy, and he is pure in heart. So when we're called, as Paul says in Ephesians 5.1, to be imitators of Christ, part of what we are imitating, part of what we are to be like when we hear the words Christ-like, is to be pure in heart. And God is holy. Listen to what David says. He says, exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his feet. Let's finish it. For he is holy. Um, all throughout scripture, we see this talked about, that God is holy. Um, some may be familiar in the Old Testament when Hannah presents Samuel. He drops Samuel off at the temple um, if you don't know that story, you can find that in 1 Samuel 22, or in 1 Samuel 2. But as, as he drops uh, Samuel off at the temple with the prophet Eli, here's what she says in her praise. No one is what? Holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. 
There is no rock like our God. So we, have, we, have, we understand some things today as we're laying the foundation this morning. Christ calls us to be pure in heart because he is pure in heart. We read throughout scripture evidence that he is holy. But there's an issue because we are incapable of being pure-hearted on our own. We are incapable of being pure-hearted without God's spirit and grace at work in our lives. Now, just to bring that home, how many of you guys have been in a frustrating situation? Oh, I don't know, like when you were raising your kids or when you were dealing with something at work or just something with family or whatever, and you're trying to keep it together, you're trying not to say that thing, you're trying not to do that thing, you're trying not to act that way, and in your own strength, that is almost impossible to do. It requires God's grace at work in our lives and resting in his spirit in order to keep our mouth shut or to not do the thing that we want to do. Let's read it. We are incapable of being pure-hearted without God's spirit and grace at work in our lives. We can't produce holy hearts. Amen? It's depressing, but it's the truth. (laughs) We can't produce it. In fact, Jeremiah writes, the human heart is the most what? Deceitful of and who really knows how bad it is. Some of you are like, "Uh, I need to go check my sump pump. I don't know how bad it is under the house. Right? I need to go check on this. I don't really know how bad it is. Like sometimes we give those answers because we don't know. And Jeremiah is saying, listen, without God in our lives, our hearts are desperately wicked. I share this all the time, but it's such a fundamental truth. Take a, take a toy from a two-year-old and see what the, how that goes over. Right? We are born with sin <clears throat> in our heart. And we cannot trust our heart. We can't produce holiness of heart. So let me give you some good news this morning before we go any farther. We can't produce holiness of heart. But God's spirit at work in us can. Amen? Amen. Let's read that. We can't produce holiness of heart. But God's spirit at work in us can. We talked about that last week. We can't, but God can. We wrote it on pieces of paper. And the truth is this morning, when we talk about the subject of pure in heart, we needed to start with who God is, what he's calling us to, and what we're incapable of without his spirit. So this morning, the question that we have before we go any farther is, are we being controlled by self? Are we being controlled by our nature? Or are we letting God work in our heart and have real estate in our heart and, and pursuing him and giving him more and more space in our heart throughout, his life, throughout our life? You know, the truth is God's spirit will fill any heart that is willing to be emptied of sin. Did you know that this morning? Isn't that good news? God's spirit, now just check this out. Some of, you are, some of you have people in your life that you know that you think, man, they would never go to church. 
Man, they would never forgive that person. Man, they would never do this or they would never do that. Can I tell you, anyone that makes their heart and life available to Jesus, he died for them and he's willing to infiltrate their hearts. God's spirit will fill any heart that's willing to be emptied of self as we allow God to empty us of sin and self, right? He replaces self with what? His spirit, which is what? Holy and pure. And so this morning, as we think about that today, and we we look at this text that we talked about today where Jesus says, God blesses the pure in heart, we realize that this pureness doesn't come from us. It comes from making our heart available. Some of you know people who rent out a room in their house, right? They have a house, but maybe they don't use all of it, and so they'll rent the outstairs up to somebody else. And whoever wants to wants it can have it if they're willing to pay rent for it. Well, Jesus paid the ultimate price for it. And he doesn't want us to just rent out a room to him. He wants us to give all of our heart to him. And he replaces ourself with himself. You see, the condition of our spiritual heart, for those who are new today or maybe don't know this or maybe just need to be reminded, the condition of our spiritual heart matters to God. It completely matters to him. How you are doing spiritually matters to God. We need to understand that today. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Why would he say that? Because the condition of your spiritual heart matters to him. He doesn't say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, if it isn't important to him. So we have quick three things today um, before, we, before we move on this morning and, and we're done with the message. That Three takeaways today that I think are important. Here's the first. A pure heart is a surrendered heart. Say that with me. A pure heart is a surrendered heart. You know, there's a, there's a posture that Christ calls all of us to. A surrendered heart, a surrendered tongue, surrendered ears, a surrendered life. And we don't like the word surrendered in our culture because we like to be in charge. Now, let's just be honest, and I'll put my hand up first, okay? I'll go first. Raise your hand if you like to be in control of, your, of the situation, in, all right? Raise your hand if you like to be in control. Okay, the rest of you are lying, all right? <laughs> I just pointed out the liars in the room. <laughs> no, all of us like to be in control. None of us want to be surrendered to something else. But how can we surrender to Christ? How can we surrender to others if we're not going to be surrendered to Christ? And the life that he calls us to starts with a surrendered heart. That's today we're going to baptize a little girl. And it starts with this willingness to say, I'm not in control, God, you are. Holiness and a pure heart cannot happen without a surrendered heart. You know, in college, there were prerequisites that you had to take before you could take the next class. Holiness doesn't happen. A pure heart doesn't happen without a heart that's surrendered. Listen to Paul. He models it. He's not necessarily saying I'm pure-hearted, but his statement indicates that he is. He says, my old self has been what? With Christ. He says, it is no longer I that live but Christ that lives where? In me. That's an example of what it means to be pure-hearted. John jumps in. He says, he must become what? 
Let's finish it. And I must become. It's a statement of pure heartedness, a willingness to say, not me, God. The only real way to have a pure heart is to let God do the cleansing work in our heart. Um, you know, we say, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times, hey, wash your hands before you eat dinner. Did you wash your hands? There's something, we take a shower every day, most hopefully we try to, okay? All right, if you don't know that, we should probably take a shower fairly often, right? We do that to, to stay clean. And God calls us to a spiritual shower each day where we kind of resubmit our life to him and let him do the cleansing work. My grandma, she's in her 90s, and she talks about when she was working. She still does this, but when she was working, she'd be pulling her car out of her garage to go to work, and she'd say, Lord, just keep me by your power today. Show me how I can be salt and light to other people. As simple as that sounds, it's, it's, it's that spiritual shower of saying, God, you're back in control. So a question I have for myself and all of you is how often do we do that? Some of us this morning may need a spirit, not a physical bath, but a spiritual bath for God to come in and cleanse. In fact, maybe today as we're talking about this, God is recollecting to you an attitude or something that he needs to cleanse this morning. The only real way, according to Scripture, to have a pure heart is to let God do the cleansing work in our heart. Well, why can't we do the cleansing work? Because we're not holy without God. Listen to what David says. He says, create in me what type of heart? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew what type of spirit? Where? Within me, right? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. A pure heart is a surrendered heart. Here's another thing that we need to know today. Most of us know this already, but need to be reminded. A pure heart is also a guarded heart. It's one thing to build a deck on the back of your house. It's another thing to, to waterproof it and to stain it and to make sure that it's being protected. Sometimes when we purchase something really expensive, we buy something called insurance. If you buy a brand new car, you're going to... You should buy insurance, right, to protect you in case something happens. When our hearts are left unguarded, we are in danger of falling into temptation, and maybe making the wrong choice. So part of having a, a, a pure heart is a surrendered heart, and part of having a pure heart is a guarded heart. Listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs. He says, guard your heart above what? All else. That's pretty important, right? Guard your heart above everything else, for it determines the course of your life. Let's read that. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Is your heart surrendered today? Is there a part of you that you're holding back? Is your heart guarded today? And is your heart searched today? See, a pure heart is surrendered, it's guarded, and it's searched. Let's read this. A pure heart is a searched heart. 
some of us, most of us really probably don't necessarily like getting constructive feedback. But constructive feedback is really important. It helps us get better. It helps us to do what we're supposed to do. And it's no different than in our relationship with God. David writes, search me, O God, and know my and know my heart. God, do a scan on my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out. Now that, now they'll just say, if you're, it's hard to tell God, hey, point out anything in me that's bad. It's hard to do that if your heart's not surrendered. I mean, how, how do you do that? Because if your heart's not surrendered, then that means self's involved and there's probably some pride involved. And most of the time when we're full of, of self and pride, we're not really open to feedback that much. We might pretend like we are, but we're not really. But someone who's completely surrendered to God says, listen, I don't have anything to hide because transparency-wise, I, I know I'm not perfect. I know that God's the only thing that's perfect, and, and I want to be like him. And so, God, listen, feedback here. Search my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Lord, am I thinking wrong? Am I saying wrong? Do you need to put a, a guard on my tongue? Lord, I want to be guarded. I want to be surrendered. And, Father, you have permission to search me. And you want to know what's difficult is that sometimes we think because maybe we attend church every week and we don't commit those, you know, unsophisticated sins like adultery and some kind of something like that that we can think of in our minds. It's like, you know, whatever. But the reality is sin is sin to God. It doesn't matter what it is. And we can, we can sit in a church service and, and we can look like our, our life is put together well, even tithe regularly, maybe even serve in the church, maybe even invite people to church, maybe even shake hands with whoever on the way out, pastor, whoever, and everybody looks at us and says, man, you know, they've got their life together. We can do all of those things and our heart be full of self. And let me just say to let us all off the hook, that organically will happen to all of us if we don't let God search our hearts regularly. Pastors included. Me first. David knew this and he says, search me, O God. Know my heart. C can I just say this today? You know, sometimes I'll ask one of my kids, like, why did you do that? And you want to know what they say? I don't know. I think sometimes they're telling the truth. In their impulsive little ways, I think they don't know why they did it. Why'd you do it? I don't know. You think adults can do that too? I love this. Search my God and know my heart. In other words, David's saying, I don't even always know why I do what I do. I don't know my heart. I can't self-diagnose myself. God, you search my heart. You know my heart. Test me. Look at my anxious thoughts. And you have permission to point out anything that offends you. And I'm not leading me. You lead me. 
So here's a simple question today, pretty straightforward text today, pretty straightforward meaning today as we look at this, pretty straightforward question today for all of us. It doesn't matter how long you've been at church, whether you just showed up or you've been coming every, every year, every day, every week for however long, same question for all of us. Does God have your whole heart? Is your heart fully surrendered to Jesus? If you were to sit down with him and you were to ask him, Lord, is there any closet in my heart that isn't yours? Is there anything in my life that you don't have? Is there something? Is there an attitude? What, what is it today? Um, we are all familiar. Some of us have even had open heart surgery, but we probably know somebody who's had open heart surgery. And today... God can do spiritual open heart surgery on us today. And you're not sore afterwards. You're free. You're forgiven. And you don't have to pay the bill for it. He paid the bill. You don't need Blue Cross Blue Shield. He paid the bill. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. God values purity. He values holiness because he is those things. And yet we're incapable of doing that. And yet he died so we could be. Sometimes we forget, you know. We're raising teenagers at our house right now. Sometimes we have to remind them who pays the bills, right? Who? You say it's your truck, but I actually own it. <laughs> right? Sometimes we think that we're the ones that make things happen as believers. We don't make things happen, do we? He makes things happen. And so if life's not working right for you, if there's something in your life that's not right, who's in charge? You? How's that working? You or God? Let's stand together this morning.